Hey, folks, welcome to the Encuentros Latinx podcast, where we explore stories of spirituality, identity, and culture from Latinx perspectives. My name is Taylor Amaj. I'm an author and editor, and I'm Puerto Rican. This podcast is a project of Encuentros Latinx, an LGBTQ plus ministry in the United Church of Christ. The new Encuentros Latinx Trans Visibility Toolkit is now live. You can download it and our other toolkits at the UCC's national website under Justice and Local Church Ministries and a bunch of other subfolders and links. But you can find them, you can search for them on the website, try searching for Encuentros Latinx toolkits, and they will likely pop up. In any case, this new toolkit features stories from trans folks who you've heard on the podcast before, Ilan Carlos, Adora, and Yadi. This is an opportunity for you and your churches to open yourselves to the experiences of trans people, to learn, to grow, and to heal communities. My guest today is another colleague of mine from the Latina Anthology, Where Monsters Lurk and Magic Hides, which comes out November 10th. Gerard Raju is a fantasy author and proud witch. We have a great interfaith chat about their practice and experience of witchcraft, including how it's represented in fantasy media and how its trendiness makes people inclined to hate it or ask practicing witches to show them something cool right off the bat without understanding the harm it can do in untrained hands. Stay tuned for the end of the episode where Gerard shares an excerpt from their story under a sea of stars about an Afro-Latino mermaid boy who falls in love with a human. Let's get right into this encuentro. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Can you introduce us by giving us your name and pronouns? Hello, my name is Gerard Raju. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I am a queer Latinx witchy writer. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So what country or countries do you and your family come from? Oof. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> make up quite a diverse background. So there's African-American and Caribbean uh, origins, as well as Central American and Guatemalan origins. I am also a large percentage of Native American Indigenous Cherokee tribe, as well as a fourth gen immigrant of Irish uh, ancestry. So the Queen of England. I just think most people don't realize where it's like, people are like, okay, well, can't we celebrate the person and not the monarchy? And I'm like, you can't separate the two. Like, she actively was around for a lot of the colonization and assimilation and genociding of many African, Asian, and Latinx countries in the past, like, 50 years. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, you get, no, no, if you're going to be in power, you chose to be in power. And it's just that thing where people are like trying to make it seem like she was a pleasant person. And it's like, sure, maybe to her grandkids, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm sure um, yeah. 
one of the princes and Meghan Markle has other things to say about that, but we're not going to go there absolutely. right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, even, even if we wanted to, I'd just be kind of sitting there listening because I, I just don't spend a lot of my energy, like keeping up with Royal family, keeping up with huge celebrities. Like it's just, it's simply not in my interest. <laughs> I think only when I come on a Twitter and people make it a discourse is when I actually know about things. Cause that's when I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't care, but if we're going to just drag a racist for filth for free, you guys, right. like right. I'll watch, right. I'll get the, right. where's the popcorn? Like, right. Where's the, someone <laughs> just give me like a giant jug of horchata. I'll just right. sip it while I'm watching chaos happen on the internet. It's fine. <laughs> so with all of this tapestry that you have in your own family and everything that kind of makes you you. What's a good memory that you have about the uh, the culture, the cultures that uh, that your family, you and your family, come from? Um, like the funny thing is, I never, rarely do I actually make mention of like the Irish ancestry unless I'm just gonna hmm. give people the full extent of it. So I don't have much for that one. And mm-hmm. kind of the same with like the indigenous roots. Like I think there was. I just know that we did enough when I was a kid, but like I barely recommend realize it. But I think one of my favorite, just like one of my favorite things growing up was how proactive my family was in ensuring that I like knew Spanish, spoke it. Like I would on my own, just like, cause we had MTV Tres. Um, mm-hmm. so I would always just like, I'd watch like the Spanish version of TRL. I would watch like telenovelas, I think like married with children. I, I want to say it was the Venezuelan version. It was like one of my favorite shows growing up as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, just them ensuring that I kind of kept that part of myself alive. I feel mm-hmm. like there are days where I'm just like, uh, I feel like a bad latinx person now where it's Mm -hmm. like my spanish is not the best and while if i'm like in a room full of other like hispanic people i can easily translate at least like 50 percent of what they're saying when they're in a full conversation but like me wanting to attempt to be in the conversation would like look so disastrous and it's just Mm -hmm. like one of those things that hurts sometimes where it's like uh, i don't want to because obviously like being a grinkle or being a grinka is like (laughs) That in itself is such a whole uh, discourse of nonsense, but it's like one of those things where it's like sometimes when you don't feel as connected to parts of yourself, um, Mm -hmm. you feel that, you feel those things deeply, where it's like the same times where it's like sometimes when I'm not immersed in enough, not immersed in enough Black culture, but just sometimes when it's like I will be way over here and black culture is like way over there. And it's just like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll know a little bit of it from my friends, uh, like modern stuff. And other times I have not a clue what's going on. <laughs> and it's just one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like, you guys, I promise I'm not a fake, I'm not a fake brown person. I'm just, I'm just kind of chilling and vibing in my own little bubble sometimes. And other times I'm like, I'm here, I'm here. Like right. I'm here, I promise. Right. But we'll definitely just being, able and allowed to be immersed by so many black people by latin culture growing up mm-hmm. especially like being from detroit of 90 percent bipoc city like mm-hmm. uh 
80% of the population is Black. There is Mexican town slash Southwest Detroit that has such a large Latinx population over there. Mm-hmm. And just like keeping that so close to me, especially with the things that I do, like witchcraft, um, as well as within my writing um, and mm-hmm. my art. So I think I was very grateful to have parents that actively wanted to keep me in the culture. Because I know sometimes uh, parents want you to assimilate so you don't feel mm-hmm. so... Because I also got that too, where it was like, okay, right. do this, but don't do that. Don't talk like this. Don't wear that. Don't mm-hmm. say these things around white people. So it's like mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like sometimes behind closed doors, your family is like, keep the keep the spirit, keep the culture alive. And then other times when you're out in broad daylight in public, they're just like, say nothing, just mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you had that experience though, of at least within the the confines of your household and, and your community that you really got that immersion in sort of like a, a natural way, because that's a little bit of the opposite for me. Not that I didn't get any of it, but I definitely had a lot of distance with only one parent in, in my house being the reason why I'm Latina, right? That's like a lot mm-hmm. to have one parent be sort of the, the imparter of the culture and it was the the assimilation path was the was the easier path but i say that and i got to go to puerto rico many many times growing up as a kid i got i grew up eating puerto rican food like i still had certain connections myself but when you were you were talking about as well you know the whole like you feel like a bad latinx person because like oh your your spanish isn't that good and it just like yeah there are always these litmus tests that we have within our own communities for the longest time. I like, sometimes I still have my imposter syndrome about like being in, you know, like claiming this, this Mm -hmm. identity and, and this culture because, because I'm not fluent in Spanish. I'm like, really? Like, honestly, the way that you just described um, (laughs) your fluency of Spanish, because literally that's how I talk about it too. I'm like, you know, 50, 50, depending on the conversation, I understand either every single thing that everybody's saying, or if they move on to a different topic and I just don't have those vocab words, who knows? I just, I'm just lost. I'm just like, okay, I, it's like a fading in and fading out um, when I'm, when I'm with folks. So um, yeah, it's like really, I think what makes it so hard for me as an adult now is just like knowing that as a teenager, knowing that even like in my earlier 20s, I could still like speak Spanish very fluently, know what people were saying, have the conversations. Like one of my best friends uh, in college was Puerto Rican, half Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And so like anytime we were frustrated or furious or just we just wanted to like talk crap about white people. (laughs) (laughs) But like to their faces, we just bust out in Spanish and no one batted Mm -hmm. it. And people would be like... Oh my god, what are you saying? And it's like, eh, trust me, you don't you don't want to know, but just, mm-hmm. I'm having a blast. Um mm-hmm. yeah, it's also so it's also just one of those like strong things of like imposter syndrome when you do come from like a mixed background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I definitely have like I know like when people are like half black, um, or like for a lot of my Asian friends when they're like half Asian and it's mm-hmm. like 
coming from multiple backgrounds and you want to feel like like we should be enough because that runs through our bloodlines that is part of who we are that's part of the culture we're immersed in it's part of what we present to the world and the art we wish to like create and bring to the table but some it took like such a long time to get to even this point of being so proud about the different backgrounds because for the longest time it'd be like a thing of getting from the black side of like if you're not claiming you know if you're going to claim your other ancestry then like are you fully black that makes you Mm. a traitor and it's like no that just I'm still 100% black but I'm also going to acknowledge that I'm also very Latinx as well and I don't think there should be Mm -hmm. any concern or issue with that and like you know, not feeling Latinx enough because I am more a darker brown person with mm-hmm. Latinx features. So I would either get like, I'm either half Mexican or people would just try and guess like Dominican or like mm-hmm. any place that was just that had naturally darker tones. And I'm like, no, no, different island, <laughs> completely different mm-hmm. island. Uh, but just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that imposter syndrome definitely sits mm-hmm. heavy. And at some point, yeah. I feel like it takes. I just feel like it takes the right kind of people to surround yourself with. And it takes like a lot of that self-love and just Mm -hmm. knowing and accepting yourself where you can get to that Mm -hmm. point where it's like, if I'm around a bunch of black people, like I don't feel like I'm less than if I'm around a bunch of Latinx people, I don't feel like I'm less than Um, Mm -hmm. from one uh, Irish Twitter. I don't feel like, (laughs) 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 but yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it is it is a, a constant journey. And I also want to uh, circle back. You you mentioned before how like sometimes your relationship with black culture, it's like you're you're like right there. And other times you, you're like in your own little space and you like have no idea what's what's going on and have your friend kind of like coming in and, and telling you telling you stuff. As you were saying that, I'm, I'm like, that just reminds me, I had a conversation with a friend of mine from college we were hanging out having a a dinner party and she's about like well I don't know how many drinks she had before I got to the house but (laughs) she's 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 a a couple drinks in and and I get her into a conversation she's the kind of drunk that like she just affirms you so so much and she and she'll like start crying because she loves you and she wants you to thrive and be happy and fulfilled but at the same time she's like grilling me on on like uh on like sapphic stuff she's like have you seen a league of their own and i'm like i'm like no i haven't she's like she's like what are you doing she's like listen to taylor swift listen to phoebe bridgers she's and she's like asking me all these things (laughs) that are like part of um I, i guess like specifically like sapphic uh sapphic culture and i'm just like she's like telling me all, all these things have you seen a portrait of a lady of a lady on fire have you listened to i i don't even know she's like naming all all of these people and she's especially giving me all of her taylor swift um conspiracy theories <laughs> and and i'm like I, I i love talking to her I, I love this friend very dearly but i very much uh felt like all right I, am i am i even a queer woman anymore like i've just been she's like she's like what do you watch i'm like i'm like i read books and i watch youtube she's like stop watching youtube and watch (laughs) a league of their own (laughs) which i am watching now and it is very good and she was completely right that i totally love it but just that when you were saying about how sometimes you're just like in your own little corner 
like I I feel that way a lot. I mean, especially with with queer culture as I'm like get more into my 30s. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm still listening to Tegan and Sarah. And I feel like the <laughs> Gen Z sapphic kids would be like, who would be like, who's who's Tegan and Sarah? And I'd be like, what? They would be like, oh my God, this is, I feel like if, I just feel like if you gave like someone who was like sapphic or lesbian, just like an old Veronica song, they'd be like, oh my God, this is so cute. They're queer. This is so vintage. And I would, you would watch me crumble (laughs) to the floor. So I'd be like, I was a teenager for this, but thank you guys. (laughs) But I do get that. I definitely Mm -hmm. understand that. Like I've Mm -hmm. had friends who, um, and especially the ones like some of the closest, absolute closest people to me are the friends that I've made since living in Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to hold each and every one of them so close. They, each of them own such a special place in my heart, um, which mm-hmm. is not very big. So they should be very grateful for that. But um, like, I know some of them have told me like, I don't, there are just some things that I've done where it's like, I'm not, while I'm very queer and you can spot me a mile away down the street, mm-hmm. I also have a lot of like, this is why I'm non-binary. I just have like this ultra collection mixture of like, I view myself like the perfect amount of like masculine and feminine. And mm-hmm. like, I just kind of don't do what a lot of main queer people in their like late in their mid to late to late twenties would do. And so Mm -hmm. that was very affirming for some friends. And then it's like, for some of my friends, they were very affirming for at least like my brownness and my blackness. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. like, I think it goes back to like finding just the right niche of people, I feel. Um, Finding that Mm -hmm. community. um, And just like knowing when you do find those, those certain people, just kind of like keeping them so close. Because you mm-hmm. just learn so much more about yourself. And I say it all the time, and I don't tell certain friends enough, but honestly, if it wasn't for meeting them, I don't think I would have been as elevated of a being that I would be today mm-hmm. if not for them. So whenever mm-hmm. they listen to this, I feel like they should know who they are. I'm not about Aww. to name drop. Yeah. More or less, because <laughs> I didn't that... the last time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, but that that is just so true. It, it is really important to have the those friends that love you. And, and to to be clear, to, to clear the name of my friend who was a few glasses of champagne or whatever it was she was drinking in and and uh, calling me out on not being up to date on the latest sapphic. She loves she loves me dearly. I love her dearly. This was not like a oh no, I feel like serious. she just had a it few bevies. Like, and her and was just like we're just gonna give you a queer intervention that's it yeah i'm yeah, definitely yeah. when i'm drunk enough i am in the girl's bathroom uh after mm-hmm. i've had my waz and i'm like washing my hands and people are like coming and going and i think i've done this on more than one prop i'm gonna say mm-hmm. more than two occasions maybe three when i was mm-hmm. really drunk when my friends and i would go out and there have been moments where I'm just like, girl, don't cry over him. Just stomp him. Like, I literally <laughs> knew none of the context. Just with, like, <laughs> these girls are, like, hyping their friend up. And I'm just, like, joining drunk and high as hell. And just being like, yes. they're right. Like, you look amazing. You you enjoy your night. 
And you know what? He's yes. not worth it. Dump his ass. Um, did she do it? I will never know. Uh, <laughs> there are plenty of times where we go out and we see like the same crowd of people and they're like, mm-hmm. haven't I seen you at this place, this place, and this place? And me and my friends are like, yeah, yeah, guilty. And mm-hmm. then there are just times mm-hmm. where I'm like, you know, I feel like sometimes people just went out, they needed that one cathartic moment from a random stranger mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the restroom so i don't fault your friend at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. well i feel like philosophically spiritually theologically shouldn't we all strive to be that drunk girl in the bathroom the the hype woman in the bathroom that you run into who just comes in at that opportune moment and says and says no you deserve better you are you are an angel you whatever it is uh dump him dump her uh, leave that job, whatever, whatever that is. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like that would just like spiritually, theologically, philosophically, like what a, what an ideal. I thought about that before. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking something in that realm earlier where it, like, you just have those moments of sometimes someone just appears in your life for like five minutes or like, Mm-hmm. I do this all the time. Like, I'll just hype people up when I see them because I'm just like, listen, you made an effort to look this good. And if you didn't tell yourself in the mirror that you look this good, I'll do it for free. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I had, like thought about it earlier where like walked to the streetcar, was going to wait for it and decided not to because I was like, you know, for 10 minutes, I could, I was not actually going to make it to my destination in a 10 minute walk. I already had that inclination, but I was Mm -hmm. like, it's not bad. And then like one of the train lines were coming anyway. So I was like, I'm going to just take the train up north Mm -hmm. to where I need to go. (laughs) I don't care. But it was just that thing where like I walked up to the streetcar and this person was lost, confused, asking like, didn't understand how to read the map, so they just asked me, like, uh, does this, is this, like, the streetcar line that I want to take to get to this destination? I was like, yeah, that's the one. And it looks mm-hmm. like it's coming in, like, the next 10 or 15 minutes. And then mm-hmm. they, like, complimented my hair. And then after that, I stood there for a second, thought about it, and I was like, I don't have the patience to wait here for 10 minutes. And then I just walked over to the train stop that was, like, mm-hmm. two blocks down the street. And lo and behold, the train arrived. But it was just one of those things where I'm like, I will probably never see this person a day in their life. And they just had like one random question that I'm sure no one else was answering properly. Uh, It just made me think of that where I'm like, I feel like sometimes those are those moments when you're out and like you befriend people. And it's like, we're probably never going to see each other or talk to each other after this moment. But like, what a magical moment Mm -hmm. to just kind of be bestowed like a random stranger just to kind of guide you or like lift your spirits. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why that was a random thought I had earlier, but it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that leads nicely into um, kind of this next topic of of conversation. I'd love to hear about your first meaningful exposure to religion or spirituality that you had in your life. Like what was your context for all of that? Um, so it would probably be my adult years when I first started practicing witchcraft, because while Mm -hmm. I did go to church when my mother was, and she was a single mom and we lived in the DMV area on the East coast, Mm -hmm. but like her family all lived in Michigan. They were all in Detroit. And so like, I think she just wanted me to have some kind of connection to something 
to believe in a something, not necessarily God, because lo and behold, she just let me sleep in the pews. Um, mm. <laughs> like I would, <laughs> like seven year old me would just take a, a lovely nap because like these seven a.m. wake up calls to mm. be at church were not it for me. Um, right. So she just let me sleep, and then she like rush me <laughs> and she like wake me up and sometimes we leave early and she's she just leans over in my ear and she's like you want to go to ihop and i'm like yes so, <laughs> so we literally just we have to like leave with like maybe half an hour of church still left so um when i was adopted by her side of the family they were definitely mm-hmm. more religious um and they definitely wanted me to have some inclination to god and i just I do not believe in any set God. I, however, will, um, no matter the person's faith or religious background, like I will still at least talk about uh, whomever's God in a respectful light. So like being mm-hmm. in Detroit, it borders Dearborn, which is the largest Muslim uh, American population, like city in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'd have a lot of Muslim friends when I was in undergrad. And it's like, like I said, I believe in no one's uh, necessarily like religion, but I definitely would still be like, you know, bless Allah, mm-hmm. may Allah lead you somewhere. Like, it would just be a thing of just showing my respect for other people's cultures. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely when I lean into witchcraft, um, oh gosh, I think like four years ago now, four, three or four years ago, when I started working at a candle making shop. Um, in Ohio, mm. the managers at the time are, were practicing witches, and they just kind of gave me like mm-hmm. hopeful little hints, just like basic spells that were really working for me. And that just made mm-hmm. me really delve further deep into the depths of like, let me look into this. And from there, it was mm-hmm. furthering my understanding of witchcraft. Um, mm-hmm. And what really suited me the best at the time was like the simple like kitchen witch stuff but also doing more stuff along the lines of like lunar witch practices which a Mm. lot of the times people would be like so paganism and i'm like yes but no because paganism while it is its own thing i feel like many different witchcrafts come take pieces from paganism regardless Mm -hmm. for me it wasn't necessarily always about what uh, paganism did but kind of doing it my way and doing mm-hmm. what works for me. And then, of course, there's, like, just natural, like, for example, summer solstice, uh, the autumn equinox is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Me and all my roommates are witches, so, like, we do a uh, harvest together. So instead of celebrating, mm-hmm. like, Thanksgiving, um, we'll mm-hmm. do, like, ancestral uh, dinners and, like, a new harvest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when I did move to Portland, that's when I had one roommate who's heavy into ancestral magic, and he has connections to African heritage and origin as well. And so mm-hmm. his guides kind of led me to finally deal with mine. Uh, so I mm-hmm. delve into, I'm going to say like three different big magical practices, but definitely several years ago when I lived in Ohio, just those small remnants of like, doing mm-hmm. magic and just really solidifying something within myself and really feeling something within myself know that this is a right path for me and this is something 
that sits well with me and this is something not to be afraid of but also not to like mess mm-hmm. with in like the sense mm-hmm. of i know like nowadays it, tiktok will make like witches seem trendy and cool and it's like mm-hmm. no there's some things that i feel like people try to do where it's like if you're not skilled enough you should not be playing. you should not be playing right. with that um, yeah yeah it gives very much when uh white teenagers love to uh mess with the ouija boards and i'm just like mm-hmm. okay these are spanish these are spanish latinx demons we don't even deal with these so i don't know what makes you think you're gonna have a fun time wanting to like get involved with those <laughs> right oh my gosh man so well, a couple of, th- I mean, just on that, on that thread, um, I, I mean, in my, in my context, I, I also got my religion from my mom too. The, that's <laughs> the, where the Christianity for me comes from. And what, it was definitely more, more conservative. Um, and so of course, in that framework, you know, witchcraft is a bad word and all, right. like all of that stuff is like, it's taught to you as this is all demonic and and evil and don't mess with it at all there's like a lot of of fear around any of it whatsoever and i remember i specifically remember and it's always it it was always my white i mean i had a lot of white friends but like it was always it was always them they're all like let's be on a girl scout camping trip and whip out the ouija board and i'm like what no i didn't sign up for this (laughs) they listen um that that love of exploration from their ancestors translated deeply into them um, <laughs> is the nicest way I can put that. But I'm just Ooh. like, there are times to be curious. Um, and, you know, I just don't think demons are a thing to be curious about uh, as oh a yeah. full-on witch. And there's, like, been some big magic that I've had to do that involves, like, cleansing energy and, like, having Palo Santo and doing like a whole shebang that I think some people would think, oh, this is very like um, history channel with like paranormal activity stuff. And I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. not doing a seance here or any of that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. But like there is big things that I feel like sometimes people don't understand not to play with when it like Mm -hmm. curiosity does peak. And I've definitely like when I first started practicing witchcraft, I've gotten the looks and people would like look terrified or nervous and I'd just be like, calm down. Mm-hmm. I'm not sacrificing a pig here. Right. I'm working with candles and I'm working with the moon and the stars. Now I kind of work with all of that as well as my ancestors and the predecessors of witchcraft that has come before me and fellow witches around me. But yeah, definitely. And growing up in a semi-conservative background after being adopted, definitely Mm -hmm. witchcraft being viewed as like something demonic and evil. I still get it from Mm -hmm. like my extended family where they're always just like, as long as you believe in God, as long as you have a relationship to God. And I just like nervously laugh awkwardly over the phone and they're just like, they'll still like push and pry for it. And I'm like, I'm not going to forgive you the answer that you want. Because, mm-hmm. like, we just have two differing views here, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that I always try to get people to understand as well when it comes to mm-hmm. the vastly different forms of witchcraft, the vastly different forms mm-hmm. of practices of spirituality, of what people may or may not believe in, 
Um, just understanding mm-hmm. that, like, I will not tarnish or shit on what anyone practices. Just don't come for me. And also don't need it. I don't need it to be, like, a thing of, well, if you're not going to, then, like, know that you're just evil and these bad things will happen when it's, like, mm-hmm. I don't say that I don't go around doing that for other people is what it boils down to for me. I'm just, like... You leave me alone about it i'll leave you alone about it we can talk about it i don't mm-hmm. mind like i've been in uber rides where they just like talk about their religion uh the whole trip mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what this is fine because if i don't have to talk then you get five right. stars from me <laughs> so i i do want to sort of circle back to probably some basics because i think that maybe for many of the usual listeners to this podcast most likely, you know, maybe coming from that background of like, oh, anything that's called witchcraft or paganism, it's all number one, it's all the same thing. Number two, it's it's all evil. However, and you were alluding to this as you were sharing your story about how there's there's different types, there's different <laughs> types of, of witchcraft that have focuses on different things. Um, and I think like when I first even when I first learned or kind of realized that was still like a new revelation to me because of what I had been the way I'd been taught to think about it was just thinking about it as this monolithic thing but as actual and you know I can I hope I my listeners um, are feeling you know open open about this my perspective about this conversation and, and anything is if if any if I or anybody was going to want to take a position of being like really against something, then we should fully understand what it actually is. And I think this is part of trying to to actually understand what it is according to the people that are involved in it, as opposed to the people that are outside of, of that community or that practice looking in. Um, because it's it's almost like a night and day difference when you hear from people that are actually part of it and kind of how they view it versus how Christendom has taught a lot of us to view it. So I guess I want to I want to start with um, what are some like the different kinds of of witchcraft that there are. You mentioned uh, there's there's the kitchen stuff and lunar stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be super detailed, but just what are some of the types that people do? Um, oof. the way I could easily, the way of like looking back and I'm just like, I should whip out my magic book for this, but <laughs> just like to name a few things. So while there is also, like I say, a celestial witch, which kind of goes with lunar witch while, so like a lot of what I practice does come from at night when the sun is, and while the sun is a star, there is that solar energy that I don't necessarily work with, uh, from mm a star so close versus I like stars like Orion's bouts um, and just like Rigel and stuff like that, that are very fastly far away where it's dark out and I can work with the energy from a distance versus how close. Um, so there mm-hmm. is also a solar witch, just like there's um, like fire witches, uh, obviously for Latinx culture, Ruheria, is mm-hmm. definitely a main known one. There's ancestral magic, which is one of the main practices that I do. And I think that's one, especially people who have, who come from like an African, Black, or Caribbean diaspora, um, mm-hmm. having those kind of ties. Um, voodooism is one as well, which kind of 
And I think what makes a lot of these practices too, like paganism and everything, is just like a lot of these witchcrafts are interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, like when people think like, oh, it's a monolith. Like, no, but like there is truth in the fact of like all witchcraft stems from some other part of witchcraft. It's like the same when it's like, because I did a religion study in college and learning mm-hmm. that like even with Christianity, a lot of that comes from uh, Judaism and like mm-hmm. certain parts of Islam faith. And mm-hmm. you know, that was just very fascinating to learn about but it was just that Mm -hmm. thing where it's like even with religions they build off of each other and they stem and then they go into their own things um a lot of witchcraft kind of does a similar path and um Mm -hmm. there's yeah so like one of my roommates is like a water witch Mm -hmm. and that kind of indels with like nature she's very much into like being in the forest um there's Mm -hmm. also different witchcrafts for that as well so there's mm-hmm. there's just like such long laundry lists of witchcrafts that we could mm-hmm. be here to discuss for like out yeah. an hour. But like just to give just like a simple and then of course there's like certain elements to witchcraft. So for example, there's like Reiki work and energy work that a few witches that I know personally do. Um mm-hmm. and I have done like a small helping of energy work. It is not necessarily my witchcraft but if Mm -hmm. it is called upon to help someone more so another magical like another witch Mm -hmm. with the inner makings and like the energy that they're holding on to and helping them kind of Mm -hmm. let go Mm -hmm. of certain entities and energies then i Mm -hmm. can be compelled to be called upon doing that practice there's like other examples i have no i don't remember where Mm -hmm. like obviously like tarot work Mm -hmm. is like a main like crystals candle work those are like mm-hmm. very notable just very stepping stone basic parts of let's not to say they're simple they're it's very complicated mm-hmm. magic but very just like for people that want to get into witchcraft when i had like friends who were like baby witches asking me like what do you do? Because I've got like mm-hmm. I've asked other witches, and they're very selective and they're very like peculiar about like sharing stuff. And it's like, well, that mm-hmm. I understand why, because it's like certain magic is not to be messed with if you're just starting off mm-hmm. with. It's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like I feel like you know, it's like the younger generation, so to speak, of like witches, where it's like you people have to start somewhere. Um, it's the same mm-hmm. thing with like religion. You're not gonna. I don't think anyone's just going to like outright the second their kid knows how to speak. They're just going to throw a Bible at their head and be like, okay, study this Um, pop Mm -hmm. quiz tomorrow after dinner at 7 PM. (laughs) Like, um, so like just like stuff, even with like tarot work and like energy work and like just knowing crystals. Cause even I, like I have some friends that do like certain witchcrafts and I don't think they Mm -hmm. really have a name for it, but they like, know crystals like the back of their palm um, mm-hmm. and they know all the properties and all the different elements and the different energies and just the different vibes that each crystal does and presents whereas like mm-hmm. I know a good extent but like there's plenty of things that I would probably never know or take the time to know versus the other forms of magic that I do that for some people they may never know um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely just a fast array of witchcraft out there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's also just kind of figuring out what works for you. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's with religions because I know some people convert to other religions because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if Christianity didn't help work for some people, they find themselves going to like Hinduism or Buddhism mm-hmm. or, um, you know, some people go from like Christianity to Islamic faith or like Islamic faith mm-hmm. to like Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. And I know some religions are ethno religions and that gets dicey, but just mm-hmm. like as a prime example of kind of figuring out what it is you believe in or don't believe in and how you choose to live your life around it and how you choose to be guided through the uh, motions of living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from from my perspective of just, you know, know knowing friends and, and talking to uh, to people who practice witchcraft, you know, running into it here and there and sort of how people understand it. Like on the one hand, it seems so very individualized um, and and very and in many cases, even culture specific. But then on the other hand, like you're mentioning before, there are there's sort of a, a tradition about it, too. Because like you said, there's certain things that you don't give to somebody who's new and, and doesn't know what they're doing. And just from a coming from my my Christian lens about, you know, just even being in, in this conversation, it's like like to, to me, I think and most, you know, Christian people would would agree that there's some form of like metaphysical or like spiritual sort of reality. And there are things that that shouldn't be messed with whether it's from our tradition or not from our tradition. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think we can all appreciate the sort of idea of, of like, yeah, like, you know, being intentional about um, making sure that the witch talk kids aren't like, what did they do a couple, a couple (laughs) of years ago? They, they like, because this is one that I I I remember someone cursed the moon and then literally like within a week they died. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know why you think that's, that should be a thing. Like, the literally we survive because of the sun and the moon. This this planet particularly would not be inhabitable if it were not for certain elements in our specific part of the cosmos. And it's just fascinating to me where it's like, I might talk shit because I don't do heat while I am from cultures uh, that can withstand heat. I, uh, I do not. But I would never, like, outright just be like, okay, this is where I'm going to try and, like, hex the sun or anything like that. It's just like a no. It's a no for me. I know my... It's one of those things where it's like, I think people have these inclinations, they have these notions, and then it's like, no one tells them right from wrong, no one teaches them anything, they just kind of, like... Which is to say, it's perfectly okay if people stumble into things. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is a... It's a everything has learning to it. Like any form Mm -hmm. of art that we do, anyone going to school to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, even in my field of work of being a barista and like Mm -hmm. knowing coffee and understanding things that go into it because it's vastly Mm -hmm. complicated. Um, Mm -hmm. Even just knowing like sanitation work and stuff like that. It's like everything has a stepping stool and everything has a learning point. And I think a lot of people don't take that into consideration when they do uh, certain things. And I think when things do get trendy, you know, people don't think deeply or think critically where it's like, oh, yeah, I should probably brush up on this. I should probably understand this as opposed Mm -hmm. to like some people will literally just 
rush right into it, not have a clue of what's going on, and then things just kind of backfire, piss poorly, and it's just so sad to watch. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember this was a couple years ago now that I, I saw I, I only I only see things that like have to do with with witch talk or whatever when something big enough happens that like all of social media is talking about it. Otherwise, like it's not it's not in my periphery at all. But I remember seeing this one of um this it, it was it was this white girl and I I mean it's a it was a Twitter thing and you know it's there's sort of always that skepticism of like how much of the internet is is true but the the story that I saw was there was this white teenage girl and she tried to summon she tried to summon somebody from I think it was um like in maybe in in a Jamaican pantheon oh dear. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the name. And even if I did, I'm, I'm not sure if I should really say it, but, um, but what I, what I was seeing the, of the story is that this, this teenage girl tried to, to summon this particular entity, uh, to curse somebody. Um, and this was a white girl, you know, trying, <laughs> trying to, trying to do stuff with the Jamaican, you know, pantheon like that. First and foremost, just, yeah. African and Caribbean, folklores and witchcraft is definitely right. not to be plus- messed with. Right. Um, same, obviously, with like, because then obviously Caribbean and Latinx roots have similar or are one and the same sometimes and have similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a lot of black and brown cultures where I'm just like, people just want to like mess with these things. And I'm just like, you guys, there's a reason why we keep it to our culture. No one shares these things for a, unless you're part of the, diaspora or the discourse for a reason um mm-hmm. but yeah no that the second you said she tried to summon a jamaican deity i was just like oof no i can already see this backfiring big time. yeah yeah well apparent apparently like the the story goes like she actually like she like weirdly like you know quote unquote weirdly she got she like got electrocuted in her bathtub or, so, or like something weird like something that's weird but then the the witchy internet was like we know what happened. Um, and I just remember, I don't even remember like how I came across it on Twitter, but I just remember kind of following, I guess, whatever the hashtag was or, or like whatever the, the search term was and just trying to like find out more about this. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, like, you know what, from, from my perspective, it's like, I don't need to mess with other people's deities, not just, not just out of like a, like a, just a general human respect thing. I mean, that's certainly... That's certainly an important part of it. But like if a metaphysical, like rich spiritual world is like truly something real that can impact us, I don't need to get on anybody's bad side. I don't think anybody needs to be getting on anybody's bad side. I think we can just like, <laughs> you know, just just like just leave it, leave it alone. And it just... and it was but, but like what's especially, I guess, kind of salient about that story is it just kind of has all this other stuff wrapped up into it about colonization and cultural appropriation. And even just in general, the idea of like, I'm just going to dive into something and not respect the context that it comes from or the ways that one goes about being a part of, of this particular thing. It's like all of those ideas are kind of you know, put into a stark display in stories like these. And it's just, it's just very like, 
I don't know. It's it's just like let let people just let let it be. Like I I I understand that, and I I appreciate you saying that. Like, well, yeah, you know, there is there is this curiosity that that people have, and I don't know. Maybe maybe just going back to the way I grew up and, and the way that my mother raised me, I was like, no, no, ma'am, I'm not curious about that at all because I'm terrified of it. <laughs> no, my parents were like, you can be curious, but um, you have fun with that uh, those consequences after the curiosity comes back and bites you in the ass. And I was like, I'm good. I promise mm-hmm. you I'm good. I think also, too, people don't understand, and I'm not fully keen on how religion works, but uh, with witchcraft, a lot of things that go with into the magic of it will come back to bite you tenfold. So that's also why it's like, when doing spells, when studying, when doing really anything, there's always got to be an intention and the intention always needs to be pure. So like, for example, mm-hmm. people who think like you can just do a hex and it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, unless the person fully absolutely deserved it and they were just that nasty of a person or a being, that hex is going to mm-hmm. come back to bite you in the ass because that negative energy has to go somewhere else. And it's more than likely mm-hmm. just going to come back to you because you are now expelling negative uh, energy. And it's just one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like, when it comes to just certain practices, I don't think people are mm-hmm. fully aware of where it's like, while it may look cute and harmless because like, you know, you get cute, versions of like sabrina the teenage witch like the sitcom version Mm -hmm. where it seems cute Mm -hmm. it's like no it's actually a lot more complicated than that like i love the netflix version because it was dark and gritty and that's what the original comics were which is why i loved Mm -hmm. it but obviously as far as like witchcraft goes a lot of that is very inaccurate Mm -hmm. but i think what was Mm -hmm. very valuable in it was the fact where it was like even with the purest of intentions, things went arise tenfold, like times, whatever Sabrina tried to do to fix things, shit just like, oops, stuff would <laughs> literally just muck up times mm-hmm. like five, just because it'd be, mm-hmm. that's just how magic tech honestly works. It's, it's always mm-hmm. why it's like setting intentions and making sure that it's pure um is like one of the biggest important things also setting intentions for yourself while you can also do witchcraft for other people because i'll at least i have this thing that i call like a moon prayer Mm -hmm. that i'll include like my parents and like some of my closest friends and and it's just my way of ensuring that even when i'm not around even if i don't hear from people that my people are still okay Mm mm-hmm but at the same time, it's also that thing where it's like my one roommate tells me all the time, like he always gets on me where he's like, okay, just make sure you're doing this for yourself too, though. Like first and foremost, mm. which is where that individualism does come into play with witchcraft. And it's why sometimes it's like, even with the purest of intentions doing for someone else, and especially depending on what it is, mm-hmm. I will sometimes just have like a face where I'm just like, uh, that's... Uh, I don't like the idea of this because the person's not doing it for themselves. While they might be curious, they should be doing it themselves and not having someone else do it if it's not in a teaching or guiding way. Um, and that's just to kind of go along with the curious, the curiosity of people, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to witchcraft and where it's being seen as something cute and trendy because, like, 
you know, people are practicing like yoga and people are learning about crystals and just like mm-hmm. doing the small things or they just love it for the aesthetic of things, which mm-hmm. uh, is always, I find that's always what piques people's curiosity the most is like the aesthetic mm-hmm. of witchcraft where it's like literally someone's sweet like 75 year old little white woman neighbor could mm-hmm. easily be a practicing witch and you will never know because she looks like that but like someone who's like emo and dark people will probably be like i bet they practice witchcraft and they probably are, have not a clue about it and like you see their bedroom and it's like pink and dainty and covered in flowers and actually they just want to like be a gardener or something like you mm-hmm. just never know i think it just goes with we have these preconceived ideas that again go back to when people do learn religion um and especially if you're in a more conservative religion or a conservative mm-hmm. upbringing with things where it's certain things you are absolutely told like stay clear of that that's evil this is that those mm-hmm. types of people um or this or that and it's like i am no different from a vast majority of folks i just i do what i do that works for me that helps me maneuver throughout the world in a way that helps guide me to be the best version that i can be because honestly when i found witchcraft it was like a year before the pandemic um is when Mm -hmm. i really got into it and it was just so helpful for my mental mm-hmm. sanity and then the pandemic hit tenfold and it was just me fully immersing myself into it because then obviously I had the time um, mm-hmm. it's, it just really helped my mental state and just really mm-hmm. helped for clarity um, and especially kind of understanding why things happen and why it helps me control my emotions on things better where it's mm-hmm. like okay, I could be mad about that, but, you know, I did this and this is just karmic justice in a way. Or, mm-hmm. okay, I'm well aware that this is a season of this and these things may take place. So let me try to mm-hmm. uh, refrain from having a certain mindset or an attitude uh, mm-hmm. in order to not make anything worse or anything like that. Um, and I'm fairly confident that's what a lot of people's religions teach them as well, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know... Um, if your religion tells you this thing and it's approaching this timeline of when you should be doing X, Y, and Z, you're doing it for an obvious important reason. Um, so for example, fasting, and I don't know the full context of it, but obviously I do know like Muslims and like Jews got like a lot of flack from like white veganisms, uh, veganisms, vegans <laughs> a few years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, that mm-hmm. made like headline on like fasting is actually bad. Think of people who have eating disorders, yada yada. And mm-hmm. it's like, while there's a there for everything, there's a right and a wrong way to go about things. And it's the same as indigenous people hunting and burning fires for the safety of themselves, their communities, and also for the environment and for the planet. And obviously. Mm-hmm colonialism and assimilation taking that away and stripping it is what has led to a lot of global uh especially here in america a lot of Mm -hmm. um nightmares involving the planet uh currently right so it's just that thing where it's also that goes back to what you were saying of like sometimes people that curiosity hits or other times when you're taught things you're just taught 
it's my way and everyone else is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just an idea that's just always been an ideology that I've never liked. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just like, even outside of witchcraft, that's just like an ideology that I've never cared for just like in general in life. It's like the same as when you tell someone your favorite music, your music, your favorite like musical artist is Taylor Swift. And then they just like crap all over you for listening to Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. It's like, has this person caused actual physical harm to people? No. Has this person made this person feel so beautiful and respected about themselves when they didn't have people to necessarily do that for them? So this music and their personality and interviews and stuff like that did it for them? Yeah. Then why are you hating? Mm-hmm. Like, so it just kind of goes in that realm of like, if you would not do this based off of people's fashion choices, people's music taste, people's like food choices, why bring this into beliefs? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, so long as that's what's always been my thing, even with like very conservative Christians, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's that same thing where I'm not going to tell someone you should practice witchcraft. Um, Mm-hmm. because it's good for you. It's when I've had friends who started witchcraft and asked me for advice, I even told them, I'm like, do whatever you feel helps. Here's like a couple of things to get started. Otherwise, like if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I'm not here to encourage or tell anyone that they should or shouldn't do it, especially too, when I know like when it comes to lineage and especially for brown people um, mm-hmm. and black people, like, witchcraft is usually runs through our bloodline and spirituality for a lot of brown and asian people especially runs through their lineage and through their bloodline so it's a thing of if you're gonna do it you can do it because it's there but also if you don't want to do it because you're afraid or you're not sure of the power that it holds or you know the power that it holds and you don't want that power that is also perfectly okay and i think a lot of people Mm -hmm need to know that when delving into religion when delving into like spirituality when delving into witchcraft um Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so i'm i'm really interested in your thoughts about the portrayal of witchcraft and magic and like anime and like fantasy books and all all this kind of stuff that is a on the one hand it could be either you know really based on on real stuff or just completely you know made up or or whatever but you you were kind of alluding to how sort of light it it can feel and how that lightness that cuteness is is attractive and I'm wondering from your perspective if that is like helpful representation or harmful representation Um, I think you know there's probably some answer in in between but because from from a the, the Christian perspective on on that that I got growing up was oh yeah it, it looks cutesy but it's all evil and and dangerous and you can't watch anime because because <laughs> that's that has the evil you know all that evil stuff in it and that's a lot of the the side that that I got and it was interesting hearing you not that you're not really saying it that way but you are kind of saying that there is something about the cuteness veneer of it that is not accurate that on the one hand can pique curiosity but on on the other hand doesn't convey i guess the the seriousness that 
the practices actually involve. So what are your thoughts about that? Like in terms of fiction, um, how these practices are portrayed? So with that, um, I think because it is that thing where it's like, for example, anime is a good example, uh, just to lean Mm -hmm. into it. So Pokemon, obviously, Mm -hmm. like when growing up, I was allowed to be the biggest Pokemon nerd, like, Literally, if Mm -hmm. I lost, like, a rare trading card, catch me crying, um, like, (laughs) full temper tantrum crying. I was such a little nerdy brat uh, as a kid, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, some of my cousins were not allowed to do that type of stuff because it was seen as, like, demonic Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting because it's also, too, like, a lot of Pokemon are based off of Japanese folklore. Like, think one of the easiest known ones is, like, Jinx was a very controversial Pokemon when, she, when they first created this character because it was depicted as if it were blackface. And mm-hmm. while I am the first to be like, what we're not going to do is make racial caricatures here, it actually is uh, has nothing to do with black people. It actually just is based off of um, a Japanese folklore because I studied a bit of Japanese folklore because the last novel that I queried mm-hmm. that is getting shelved other than Mm-hmm. it being with like big five editors mm-hmm. was it stars a witch and while like there are cutesy things that are in the book that are somewhat accurate a lot of it also is just like me kind of bsing and making up rules as i go um but also tying mm-hmm. in a lot of different folklores from vastly different cultures and countries and continents because like that spirituality is real and kind of connecting those vastly different spiritual worlds I thought was really cool and really important um, to showcase. But I just think, you know, obviously in culture, there's, yeah, there's this, on the one hand, there's an aesthetic where it's very cute. And I think that's what makes people want to like delve into it. Like when you watch Kiki's delivery service, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, oh, that's so adorable, you know, even like the townsfolk that found out Kiki was a witch would be like, ah, you're a witch. We've been waiting mm-hmm. for one of those again in the town where no one's really like, holy crap, she got to curse us. It was mm-hmm. always just a thing of like, even the, <laughs> the effing cop who was like, no fly zone. <laughs> like literally mm-hmm. it was never a thing of this little girl can fly. It was ma'am. I need you to not fly your broomstick in the middle of traffic and this is why you're in trouble actually um this is why you're coming with me where are your parents like Mm -hmm. it was never no one really questioned much of oh my god a witch it was just always a thing of Mm -hmm. oh i've heard of you guys where it's like very cute and like if people find out about our secret no one's like mad about it they keep it um you know they find it cool like Tombo literally trying to figure out if she was a witch for like half the effing movie. Mm-hmm. It was just his curiosity, but it was never like, no one ever scrutinized her for it. He was never like, oh, this is like weird. This is lame. You're a freak. It was always like, mm-hmm. you're a witch. I bet you're a witch. Can you do witch things? Like, I want to see if you're a witch, which that sometimes I do get people that are like that. And that's annoying because <laughs> mm-hmm. then it'll, it goes back to those like preconceived notions of like, well, this is my idea of witchcraft. Can you do any of these things? And it's like, no, because mm-hmm. this also doesn't make it accurate. Um, so mm-hmm. that in of itself, sometimes fiction does a poor job of like, it gives off the aesthetic and it gives off something cute that seems fun, but 
people don't it's that thing where it's like if i were to watch something that seemed cool like a firefighter tv show and it doesn't do an accurate portrayal of just the dangers that go with being a firefighter i think euphoria did a really good job of showcasing if you're going to be addicted to these hardcore drugs, this is the reality of what your life is like. And they didn't shy away from being like, if you cannot handle watching this, don't, but also like know that it's not fun and games. It's not some cute like Studio 54 type of uh, stuff. This is mm-hmm. the dangers and the realities of what you're going to get yourself into and the types of addictions. And I think with that regard, that's where sometimes certain books and certain movies and stuff like that will showcase, like, while this is cool, this is also vastly dangerous and it's not to be taken lightly, where other times it is just seen for an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily where it's like, I have the biggest issue with it. Because, like I said, I am the first to admit that I effing ate the Netflix version of Sabrina Up, like it was uh, mm-hmm. soup. I absolutely loved that show. And while being a practicing witch, people would be like, oh my God, is this what you really do? And I'm like, I, whatever notion you have based off of this show that you're putting onto me, I need you to get rid of it. I think is literally just my biggest thing about it is like, don't mm-hmm. look at what media has to offer on certain lenses and viewpoints. If the creators themselves and if people are part of the community or the diaspora or whatever are also stating like no one said this was good rap this was just fun entertaining rap right and i think that's where it gets dicey mm-hmm. where it's like obviously like plenty of animes especially nowadays do stuff with like necromancy and witchcraft and like mm-hmm. demon casting and all this fun stuff and while i love watching those types of animes it's also noting like is some of this could be true or based off of things that could happen but that also shouldn't be something that should be seen as like light and fun and cute um Mm -hmm. you know it's like people thinking oh i could get into voodooism and like learn how to put spells and hexes on people and it's like like i mentioned earlier that is not something to be taken lightly that's something Mm -hmm. that even most witches would not actually do because we know the dangers and we know like the power that possesses as well as just like knowing what you're going to get yourself into and knowing that it's probably going to bite you in the ass. And I've just never Mm -hmm. been, I've never been okay with, like I tell my friends even, I'm just like, listen, you can be reckless. Just, you have to be chaotic while you're being reckless. If you're just going to be reckless to be reckless, I don't know how to help you. Because at that moment, I'm just like, oh, no, I don't. I only like drama when I get to watch it for free entertainment and sport. I never actually like being a part of it. And true, um, as a true Hispanic, I would like mm-hmm. to watch the drama unfold mm-hmm. right in front of yes. my face without me actually mm-hmm. being a part of it. Like, I will not yes. be a nosy chismoso. Um, mm-hmm. I will just be the one who sits there and is like, get the food, get the food, hurry. Get the sauce. sauce. It's happening. It's happening. They're about to fight. Get the sauce. Let's go. Um, And I think that's where a lot of fiction comes into it. And like I said, um, because when I write fiction, I love writing supernatural. I love writing about the unknown. And I love writing from a magical viewpoint. Like I grew up on Miyazaki. I have his Mm -hmm. face tattooed on my arm. I have 
finally one of his characters tattooed on me. Now I'm like, mm. oh, crap, I gotta get the rest of them. But just like, that's the type Which of... one? Totoro. Okay. Which is funny because like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, Totoro as a character is one of my favorites, but as the film, it's not one of my favorites. And I don't like, if I don't have like an absolute love for one of the films, it's just like, I feel neutral on it because I think all of them are good and important Mm -hmm. uh, in their own way. But it's Mm -hmm. like that same thing where it's like no face is also one of my favorite characters. And obviously no face is like the face of Ghibli, but then it's, um, I think spirited away. I've always named as like my sixth or seventh favorite Miyazaki film. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but it's just one of those things where it's like when people are like, Oh, will you write fantasy? Uh, Cause I always tell people, I'm like, Oh, I don't care. I never like cared for Harry Potter. Um, I don't mm-hmm. watch Lord of the Rings, like n- just stuff like, um, God, I can't even think of the show. It involves dragons. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My friends listening to this are going to be so hurt. Their feelings are going to be so hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, stuff like that where it's like, I will, I told my one friend, I'm like, I'll watch this with you. So I've seen like, three or so episodes mm-hmm. in no particular order either he just, just watches it when he watches it i told him i'm like i'll watch this with you but also understand when i tell you that you have to force me to watch anything and maybe i'll like it or care for it i think i mentioned that that is one of the things that i just will never like um mm-hmm. and my parents partially ruined it because they i walked in on them watching a gay sex scene in the show um and i just watched that with them together and then immediately i just left because i was just like <laughs> No, thank you. Um, I don't need to right. explain. I don't want to explain. I know you guys um, already have views of this, and like, I just—it's not a thing that needs to happen for me because they have queer friends, <laughs> um, so they yeah. have like ideas. But it's just always been one of those things where I'm just like, I never got the birds and the bees talk, and I never want it. So, <laughs> but it's just yeah, one of those things where it's like, this is the kind of. Uh, fantasy that people are obsessed with and this is that's the type of fantasy that I never cared for I like the cuter more mythical folklore like aspect of Mm -hmm. fantasy and that's why I've always leaned for like Studio Ghibli and it's this type of stuff Mm -hmm. that I love to write and I like I said I am the first to admit that I put pieces of my witchcraft and pieces of the magic that goes into my life into my stories i think i really feel like witchcraft has also made me just an overall better writer um an Mm -hmm. artist as well and so i don't see qualms with it being in fiction but i feel like sometimes it's the same viewpoint that a lot of people have in the media with like cultural representation where it's Mm -hmm. if someone writes you know, we have the anthologies uh, coming out soon and mm-hmm. people will love them. And then there will probably be someone of the Latinx diaspora that'll be like, I didn't really care for any of this. Maybe this mm-hmm. wasn't their cup of tea and that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that is kind of what witchcraft in the media is to me as well, where it's like, while some of it can be portrayed accurately and some of it can be in a respectful way uh other parts of it can also just be vastly fiction and just there purely for entertainment and i don't see Mm -hmm. anything wrong with that i just think that 
if people get a concept or an idea, they should at least do the work of understanding like, oh, this, like knowing that like some forms of media that I've seen have like, uh, like Filipino deities and mythology and mm-hmm. people thinking, whoa, that's so sick. That's cool. And mm-hmm. me, like in the back of my mind, I'm just like, okay, but you should actually like, if you're going to run with this, just know what you're trying to understand. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what boils down for me when it comes to witchcraft being presented in the media, where it's like, I don't see it as a bad thing, but it's also like, understand what is being presented and understand where those biases might be coming from and understand like asking, for example, asking a random witch on a dating website um, if they can cast a spell for you is um, not the way to go about learning anything, nor is it a great uh, conversation starter. Uh, Just for the people listening, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can say from experience. Well, that that would be like that would be like you know a, a Christian minister is on a dating website, and the match that they match with, like the <laughs> first, the very first thing they say is, "So, give me a scripture. Give me like oh. what? Give me like your favorite scripture." Although there are some ministers that would be like, "That's totally how it's supposed to be," and. Y'all can stay in with with your girl defined <laughs> and you know uh, the, all of that. Um, the the re- the rest of y'all that you know are are not with that. I know I know that some of you single ministers that are on Tinder would probably feel weird if you're ma- if that was like the first thing that your match said to you. I feel like anyone that has a Bible scripture, like not even just like because I know when I attempted to be religious, I at least had like the name of the chapter and like the scripture numbers at least in like Mm -hmm. my instagram bio and left it at that i feel like the only person i feel like any christian that would probably go that would really love that would not only have that but have like the whole line quoted in their bio i feel like those would be the types of people that are like all right let's talk scriptures (laughs) whereas for me (laughs) i just put witch and people are like tell me about spells. I have questions and I'm just like, yeah, you're not getting a first date. I'm just going to let you know right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think that, I think it's really important that you say that too, because like you said, um, witchcraft witchiness is so, so trendy and cool and cute, right? That it's, it, it's almost like, I, I totally get, I mean, I didn't think of it until you said it, but it makes sense how you would, how that, those moments would happen. It's like, Oh, because it's trendy and cute. People just feel like it's the very first thing you can talk about with somebody when at the end of the day, like it is their religion. And that can be something that they feel is a more serious topic to discuss, you know, down the road with somebody when it comes to talking about getting into a relationship. I I think, I think that's kind of an important thing to keep in mind because like on the flip side of things, you know, if, if you're a if you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or, or any other religion, it's like, oh, why why would you even bring that up unless we've had like six dates? I say this, and I mean, I bring it up because I'm I'm upfront and I'm weird like that with with myself. But <laughs> but it, it, like as like in society, there, there there's that rule of like, oh yeah, you don't talk about you don't talk about religion right away, and yet you're having this experience of folks 
coming at you and like the first thing is, is like is like do a spell or te- tell me this and tell me that and it's almost like so sorry we don't talk that, about that's Bruno really, here we just don't right <laughs> right right well I want to get into the anthology so one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have you on the show today is because you are also an author in yes. uh, these uh, within these Latinx anthology projects that I've, I've had some people involved in these projects on the podcast in the past before. And so I want to talk about your experience with becoming a part of the anthology. Number one, which anthology, because there's two anthologies that are coming out that have been part of the same project. I've been talking about this. There's the young adult anthology where monsters lurk and magic hides. And then there's the adult anthology called places we build in the universe. So first, which one is your story in? I am in the young adult anthology where monsters lurk and magic hides. And I know that one's broken up into, I believe like three different sections of fantasy and sci-fi um gothic horror and then romance and mine will be in the romance section awesome and there is now a publishing date for uh this anthology november 10th yes 2022 pre-order links are live at be infinite publishing and places we build i I should be better at this. I it's escaping <laughs> me at the moment the publishing date for the adult anthology. The fifteenth, but it's November. also in November. It's the fifteenth. I remember the because 15th. I remember okay. our editor posted about that one first. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I was like in her DMs so many times, bugging her, like just giving the eye emoji, like so. When's the pre-order links dropping? Right. When are they dropping? And then right. I like woke up right. to like all this buzzworthy news about that one. I was like, yay. So when's the young adult pre-order link dropping? (laughs) I'm like, so when's the one I'm also a part of dropping? (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, So they are both Scorpio releases. So, you know, take (laughs) take that for what that is. No comment. um, How did you... (laughs) Oh, goodness. How did you get involved in the anthology? Um, so I got involved by, I do this thing where I literally am the most hopeless, hopeful person ever. Um, and I just like to shoot myself in the foot. So like, in case anything's ever no, my feelings aren't hurt. Um, so Lauren had put out a post looking for an Afro-Latinx uh, YA fantasy writer to be the last addition to the young adult anthology and i was not on twitter for a little bit just for my own mental sake like seeing all my friends get agents and get book deals was Mm -hmm. um detrimental to my health and so Mm -hmm. i came on twitter the post was already like a week old i just went directly into lauren's dms and it wasn't even a thing of like oh, I know someone, or like, oh, it's me. I literally, the first thing I put in her DMs was, so I'm assuming the slot's already been taken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, no, actually, um, it won't be decided for a little bit. Do you know someone? And I was like, Mm -hmm. me, me. Mm -hmm. But but I also gave context because I didn't even, I think I was just so down in the dumps at the time that I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that 
the post also asks for like a full, like already full, fully written out 5,000 word short story. And mm-hmm. I had like five pages written from an anthology from a short that was actually supposed to be used in a completely different BIPOC anthology that I just mm-hmm. couldn't get myself to write because at that point I just felt like such a failure. And so mm-hmm. I just took like a break while querying um, and just focused solely on querying. So she was like, okay, just mm-hmm. send it to me. So I sent it. I told some of my writing friends about it. They were so excited for me. I did. I honestly didn't think I was even going to get it. And then I just kind of forgot about it. Like I for- completely mm-hmm. forgot about it. And I was telling everyone, you know, after I had sent, originally submitted the work, I was just like, while obviously having full length novels is my absolute, absolute dream and goal as an author, it would be mm-hmm. pretty wicked to be traditionally published in YA anthologies as well. Cause there were so many YA mm-hmm. anthology like posts being made to just like searching for like BIPOC art writers as well as like writers who have yet to be established or known in the industry. So that was becoming like a thing where I was like, would love to be a part of something like that. Didn't think it was going to be anytime soon. And right before the new year, I randomly checked my email just to look at a receipt because uh, I was buying like Christmas gifts, last minute Christmas gifts. And I saw an email from Lauren. So I opened it and she was like, the sample that you sent me is exactly what I'm looking for. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a part of this anthology. And I cried like so many Aww. times walking to the train stop uh, to go home. I just remember like it was holiday season too. And it was like dark out. Um, it was mm-hmm. like six or seven. So there were like plenty of people out and I just had to like, stop lurk um and fix my composure and then cry some more as i'm like walking home right. so i was just like okay i don't need anyone i'm like needing to comfort me <laughs> randomly right. in, like the middle of the night just being like right are they, okay? are they good no i'm not thanks <laughs> um but yeah so i set out a goal in the new year. Um, I think in January, like I wanted to do a full thing of revisions for the novel I was querying that's about to get shelved mm-hmm. while also finishing this entire uh, short story. And I told Lauren, I was like, no, oh, it's fine. Like you're giving me a month to do it. I should have this actually ready for you in like two weeks. I did not. Mm-hmm. I right. indeed <laughs> absolutely did not. I was way in over my head with, I like I said, I like to shoot myself in the foot when it comes to writing because I love what I do so much and I just, this is my everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was a thing where it was like having to write something on the spot has never been my strong suit. Like it kind of has been, but I've always been a plotter. So for me, mm-hmm. I kind of had to, there was plotting going into it while also like plotting out the revisions for a whole novel um, mm-hmm. and adding on to that. But a lot of it was just kind of like having one idea and then running with it um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times. And that is not how I work as a writer. So it really did take me almost the full month to finish it. But once Mm -hmm. I had it in there, I think the only disclaimer I gave uh, our editor was just like, hey, so I know this was supposed to be 5,000 words when you made the post. And I know you specifically told me to make it three to 4,000 words. And this is between mm-hmm. five to 6,000 words. I'm so sorry, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we 
when we got the edit, when I got the edit letter and did the light edits, mm-hmm. managed to get it yeah. between, I think it's like at 4,500. So it's a, mm-hmm. probably be like an, a nice, like somewhere between 15 to 20 pages, just with the rest of the mm-hmm. short stories and little not uh, in the yeah. anthology. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, this will be my debut as an author as well. So to have oh, some nice. fantasy kind of, showcase just what my author brand is and like i'm a very lyrical writer um mm-hmm. and to just also just right out the gate have uh afro-latino and latino protagonists just like straight out mm-hmm. the gate and being like this is who i am as a writer this is my brand i represent mm-hmm. these vastly different cultures and i'm proud to be a black Latinx person and you're going mm-hmm. to get black characters and you're going to get Latinx characters and you're all just going to have to deal mm-hmm. with them. They're going to be queer. Um, yeah. Cause I'm non-binary queer person. Like, and you're all just going to have to deal with it and just, yeah, I think definitely being a part of this anthology and being a part of this whole process with fellow Latina mm-hmm. artists has also just really made me feel so secure within myself as a latina mm-hmm. person as well because it goes back mm-hmm. to that thing of like you get to a certain point um you know when you're an adult and when you're like 18 19 you're kind of having to like between the ages like 17 and 19 you're like an adult but not really and you're kind of having to do for yourself but not really but you're also having the world kind of tell you who you are and you mm-hmm. don't even know that about yourself yet, but you have like a better inclination than when you were like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And so just like those were around the time periods, like being uh, like 19 and like 20 and stuff and having people tell me like, oh, well, you're not black enough or like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not Hispanic enough. And just like mm-hmm. having really letting those people win for quite some time and then like, Mm-hmm. being a part of something like this just really reaffirming for myself and for kids mm-hmm. like me for adults like me and just really for latina people in general because it really i really do love just seeing the fast start contrast in the cultures and the people and the appearance and it's like we come from similar upbringings and like when I'm with like, especially my Hispanic friends and we like joke about, I like, we'll joke about things and they'll be like, oh my God, my niece is literally just like that. And I'm like, listen, you might be, you might be of Honduras background. You might be a Puerto Rican background. You might be Salvadorian. Mm-hmm. I might be Guatemalan. You might be mm-hmm. uh, Cuban or Colombian, but eh, damn it. We all have similar, <laughs> just the similarities are all there. And it just like makes mm-hmm. me so happy to be a mm-hmm. part of this project so you know yeah, if anyone but- likes uh mermaids and queer kids and f- local villages and defeating evil and stuff like that then don't enjoy my my little book well my little short Ooh. story <laughs> Ooh. so that's perfect because i want to know what your short story is called so my short story is under a sea of stars And it kind of, like, it just plays with kind of the main plot, which is this merboy leaves home. He leaves the tyranny of King Triton, this Afro-Latino merboy. And he decides, like, his mother, his human mother that disappeared, 
told him about the stars at night that live in the sky as he views the sea above the lands. Um, and it's always been such a dream of his to see these stars, to know about this big ocean in the sky. And so he goes to a nearby village in Central America, somewhere in Central America, decides that this is the quest that he's going to go on. And in his search, befriends a local Latin teenager, and they kind of become friends. And the teen promises to show him the stars at some point, and then they end up discovering that King Triton is like on his way to the village, thinking like the local villagers, like the humans, kidnapped his son when really his son willingly left, and just go this big adventure in one big night, and it's just full of magic, full of love. I even love the fact that like I put little cultural things inside of it just like there's a scene with a specific palm tree that is indigenous to um not just guatemala but a lot of caribbean and central american um countries and islands and like it was just like even just doing something as small as that just to Mm -hmm. show my love for my culture and myself and where i come from it's just it was just so beautiful and so magical Yeah. And you have an excerpt of this story prepared to share with us. So I would love to invite you to read what you've got. Yes. I will give a little sneak peek preview, uh, a little first look at the beginning. And so everyone joining us right now and listening at home, wherever this may stream, Here is a brief excerpt of Under a Sea of Stars. The sea was a symphony of life that typically danced in opulence. But for Prince Theoki right now, she was a murderer, bathed in dark teals and murky pools of crimson blood. He watched human bodies flail about as the current slapped them around until their bodies no longer moved. Theoki lunged his body upward streaming through the violent tides until his head broke just above the surface. His green eyes dilated at the horrid sight of a large, rustic pirate ship being torn like tiny seashells. Theoki tasted remorse like citrus pangs in the knot of his stomach. He understood his father's rampage was only because he had believed the crew on board kidnapped his only child. Yonki fled because he dreamed of the stars and he knew he would never be able to accomplish it if he remained underwater. He couldn't keep doing what was told to him by his father. He knew Triton would roam every sea until Theoki returned, but he didn't want a life of solitude and meetings and royal duties. His heart pumped for more, for a romantic dance with the constellations that winked overhead. Theoki sank back under the thrashing dark blue and frothy white tides. The prince glided through the churning water, the thrill of leaving his home warming his flesh and scales against the cold currents. He swam until the floor beneath him gradually rise, jagged brown rocks greeting the prince as the tides rose. Theoki pushed himself up, peeking his head above the surface. The stars still played hide-and-seek. Theoki's dream was nothing more than a fairy tale, but anything was better 
than Triton's demands for a 17-year-old prince. So he pushed on toward the lights ahead on the shore. Amazing. That is, you mentioned that your style is very lyrical, and I definitely <laughs> hear that. Um, it def- it really does feel magical. I mean, that's the most like cliched. Of course, it feels magical. It's a, it's a fantasy I mean- story, but... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that that was wonderful. Um, thank you very much for sharing that. So just as a reminder, folks, this is coming out in Where Monsters Lurk and Magic Hides from Be Infinite Publishing, coming your way on November the 10th. So be sure to look out for that. I will be talking more about that as we get closer to those dates. Where can our listeners keep up with you and all of the other things that you're doing? Yes, uh, you can keep up with me and especially all things writing um, along with this anthology and my querying process and hopefully getting an agent after several years uh, on Twitter, uh, the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter dot com, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's what I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, at Gerard writes, uh, J-A-R-R-A-R-D. W-R-I-T-E-S. And I will be doing a much better job and I actually have the pre-order set up and where you'll be able to listen to this podcast as well uh, via my social media on Instagram at Gerard Raju. Wonderful. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation and it could theoretically continue for for much, much longer, but... (laughs) We will. This is a beautiful place to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Thank you, Times 20, for inviting me to have this conversation. It's been so lovely. It's been wonderful, especially to just like getting able to kind of shed light about witchcraft and obviously Mm -hmm. um, with anything. Uh, for the listeners out there. I am just one person. I'm just one witch and my experiences and there are vastly millions of other experiences out there and so many different practices and even within the same practices. So I just want people to always remember that. Whatever you may take away here, well, I am happy about that. Do you remember? I am just one example, but I am so happy to be here and to have discussed religion and spirituality and witchcraft with all of you lots and to talk a little bit about writing and it's been so lovely joining taylor during this experience thanks so much for listening to today's show please rate review and subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you're listening to this on behalf of encuentros latinx we hope you'll join us on our next encuentro